Welcome to 80s Music Exposed, the podcast in which we review all the best albums of the 80s one month at a time. We will break them down, give you the skinny, and duke it out over whether or not you should dig these out again. So, if you're ready for an 80s music deep dive from Aha to Wham, Bowie to XTC, Madonna, Hair Metal, New Wave, and all points in between, then crank the boombox, turn your Walkman up to 10, and let's go! Welcome to 80s Music Exposed. I'm Henry. And I'm Chris. And I'm Megan. Good to see you both. If you hear any like loud noise in the background, I'm tumbling some rock. You're tumbling rocks? <laughs> yeah. That sounds like some euphemism for something. Like, no, mm. I'm really just tumbling rocks. I'm tumbling rocks. Mm-hmm. It's nothing that cool. <laughs> Well, this is a, one of our classic album shows. W- want to thank everybody who's listened. The last classic album show we did was for Duran Duran Rio, and it lit up. Yeah, I mean, like two thousand. We we had two thousand plus people like that downloading our um, pod. We really appreciate it. Wherever you are in the world, thank you so much for listening to us. Uh, we need to get all of our live video up to YouTube. I have neglected getting us put to the stream, but um, this time I'm going to make sure we do it. This is a big deal. Thriller's like a big deal, right? Definitely. I was about to say, it, there doesn't get um, any more of a classic 80s album than Thriller, so this is probably right up there in the top five. I don't know how we're all going to come down on it, but you, you have to admit, this is probably one of the biggest albums of the decade, for sure. I mean, I've got two... Yeah. yeah. I've got two pages full of notes. I can't wait to get to your notes. I don't have two pages of notes, so this will be great. I guess it goes without saying that this is going to enter the canon. It has to. So here it is. Well, one of the things I wanted to mention before we get into it is we got an, an email. I'd like to read it to you guys or give you the high notes from a guy named Joe. What did Joe have to say, Henry? Megan, give us Joe's high, high point. Already forwarded me the email. It was ready to go. I think Joe is from Portland, Oregon, I'm pretty sure. So he graduated high school in 1987. He uh, went to school in Portland, Oregon. Um, didn't really enjoy it so much back in those days and really enjoyed music uh, by Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. Judas Priest? Yeah. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, we, like we all like Judas Priest. Joe, I know you are all about some screaming for vengeance. But he has come around in his later years, uh, kind of in part to our podcast and finding it. So I'm um, kind of switching it up and even going for uh, a Pretenders album inspired by our August of 81 episode. Pretenders 2. Pretenders 2, yeah, correct? A, oh, excuse me. Yeah. That's an important distinction. <laughs> but it was only six bucks, too, so... That's an important distinction as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, that's so cool. We actually inspired somebody to buy a record. I'm, that's like, Henry, we can quit now. We don't have to go to 1989. In the day, like, it was it was the biggest deal, like, to, to turn somebody on to something new. I think right? that's still pretty cool, though. Yeah, I do, too. You the man. That's awesome, Joe. Joe, we really appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Everybody else, talk a good time. 
Megan, you're also doing something that's interesting online. Why don't you tell all the listeners? Sure. So um, I'm very heavily tattooed, and I've been tattooed for a long time. And one of my friends suggested that I do this inked magazine like contest. And uh, at first I was kind of hesitant because it's just kind of silly to me little bit so but i figured you can win you know a little bit of money and it'd just be kind of a cool thing to do and there's a charity in lansing which is where i live so if i win which not really expecting to but if i do i'll probably donate a little bit of that money to that charity kind of give back a little bit um but if i think you can just find me on the ink magazine website if you go to their they have a page for it and just search my name it's megan maddox so i'll be there Good luck. And how, when is the, when does the voting end? So the voting for this cutoff and I don't, my friends have asked me, they're like, well, how many cutoffs are there? And I'm like, honestly, I don't really know, (laughs) but so we're in the top 10 right now. So the next one will be top five. And right now in my group, I'm number one. So I think I'll be in the top five. And then beyond that, I don't know. And Megan, they can go to, is, is it at ink girl cover or at ink cover girl? Yeah, Ink Cover Girl on uh, Instagram. On Instagram. And then the voting is actually through Facebook. So. Okay. But if, if you go to their website, they'll probably have like a direct link to that. And if you're friends with me on social media, I've been, there's a daily vote system, which I find annoying. <laughs> but so I've been harassing people daily right. about it. Um, <laughs> All right. And so that is as close as we're going to get to a significant event this episode and we're going to go straight because Henry's got so many notes. We're going to go straight into this classic album which is Thriller by Michael Jackson. I don't know that it needs much more introduction. To start section one off, I thought we would just play the song Thriller. Here it is. Okay, so I think we have to go ahead and do this right off the bat. We've, we've, the white elephant in the room. Uh, or is that a pink elephant? Is it a pink elephant or a white it's elephant? The white elephant. Okay, the it's white the elephant. elephant. It's the, the elephant. The, the elephant in the room. Okay, so <laughs> here in 2021, 
You cannot start a discussion with, about Michael Jackson, I don't think, without uh, all the baggage that has that comes with uh, his life, death, and recent events and how that affects the album. Um, I don't know that, unless you guys want to, I don't want to go into the details of his sordid reputation. I, I wanted to approach it. Everybody knows yeah. about, about it, right? I kind of wanted to approach it more from how does that affect each one of us or, or in your own personal way, how you listen to the album now or how you think about uh, his legacy or his work. Because I think it gets into that interesting age-old debate about judging art uh, versus the artist and does the artist have to be uh, of a certain moral standing to approve of the art? You know, like I asked myself that, is it possible to love Michael Jackson's music and still consider all the evidence that the guy was just, you know, a rank pedophile, especially after that leaving Neverland documentary, those do things like that erase your accomplishments in music and dance and entertainment. Like does it, what kind of appreciation do you do it? Does it become just a clinical appreciation or can you go back to those, you know, we talked about like, Michael Jackson back in the early eighties had a completely different image. He was squeaky clean. You know, he, he had the, the guy on the ET soundtrack. Kids loved him. Well, yeah. that I think kind of plays into like what makes it such a huge story too, is the fact that he kind of was a little like that America's sweetheart sort of yeah. entertainer slightly for me. I mean, I've always known like Michael Jackson as like the pedophile, like child, mm-hmm. like that's always been a part of just because of my age, like, Michael yeah, Jackson. Yeah. like I don't know that early eighties, Michael Jackson before all he was, that. he was always a, kind of a weirdo in your, yeah. in your mind. Right. Yeah. And I mean, even in pop culture, I mean, it was a part of his image but I do think that, like, it really just depends on the personal preference and whether or not you can kind of look past that stuff. Because there is, like, I do think you kind of do, like, you have to be able to separate that, like, the art from the artist. Well, and that's that was interesting because I knew you were going to come from that perspective where he's that's been part of his legacy your whole life. For Henry and I, he you know, he was the squeaky clean, non-threatening friend to children which now makes it even creepier now because it's obvious what he was doing but I didn't like him at that time because he was overly huge in my mind like it was just everywhere and so I started as I got older I started to appreciate him more because I never really liked him that much as a or or as much as most kids did because he was Mm -hmm. it was like an oversaturation so then when this movie came out that Henry talked about I think the graphic nature of that, I, you know, obviously we'd all heard things. Um, yeah. And I thought, okay, maybe, I, and it, it sounds gross, but like maybe he and Macaulay Culkin, and that's weird and awful. But, mm-hmm. but then when you watch this movie with this graphic, two and a half hours of graphic details of the things the guy did, I don't know how anybody could watch that and then say, I can't wait to go listen to Thriller or Off the Wall. And, you know what I mean? Weirdly enough, that mm-hmm. doc that you're talking about, it is the most watched Right. HBO documentary of all time has been seen by 9.2 million people. It's a, it's amazing. But it is like, interesting. I don't know it to get across to you, Megan, just how uh, ubiquitous he was in the culture at that time. I mean, he was the 
I don't well, know what I to mean, do. I believe it because mm-hmm. I've always known who Michael Jackson is. Right. Like, even when I didn't really listen to his music growing up, but I mean, he was just such a huge part of pop culture. Like, he had such a huge impact on everything. Yes. But the, I mean, there's also a lot of, uh, I'm not saying that there's mitigating stuff involved here, but, you know, he wrote a book in 88 that talked about his dad whipping him with a belt and stuff like that and beating him when he would perform. All that stuff can't be ignored. People are, to some extent, a victim of circumstance, you know. And he came along, I think, you know, listen to me trying to apologize for this guy's ridiculous. No, I, Henry, you're, you do you're, it? you're making it like, sounds like I explain am. Explain why, like, he kind of ended up being the way that he was to some degree. There's nature and nurture, and I don't think he had a good childhood. Yeah. Like, I think he had a very weird, fucked up, like, upbringing, and I'm sure that affected him, like, in I that way. There's no way yeah. it and I think we live in a time right now, I, I know like the crime documentaries and, uh, you know, serial killer docs and stuff are big on Netflix and stuff. And you see that over and over how these people um, come from terrible situations that kind of warp them into what they are. So it doesn't excuse what they are. But I think we're much more now like and I think in the 80s, if this had come out, Henry, we would have just said the guy's a freak. Like he's got well, problems. We did, we did but see, th- th- one could say that the success of Thrill right after that is when all the crazy shit started coming out about him, like you right. know, trickle, you know, like trickle truth coming out of, you know, we got the bones of the elephant man. We got the guy sleeping in an oxygen chamber. We got him with him with a monkey. He was supposed to do something with Freddie Mercury and uh, and insisted on bringing his llama. You know, I well, think and there was his absolute peak in terms of like his personal life really didn't overshadow anything it didn't like you know i think maybe people thought michael jackson was like a little strange like just because of his speaking voice perhaps but like i don't think he was muddled by all of that yet yeah charlie chaplin had a problem with marrying underage girls woodrow wilson was a freaking racist from top to bottom Well, Henry, that's my. I have a question for you. Then it, that was my next thought on this. Does time heal a lot of that? Like, uh, when in a hundred years, will people be like they just judge the albums? I don't know. I, it's it's taken the shine off of it for me. Like as a, I, I can I cannot easily go back to, you know, twelve year old, eleven, twelve year old Henry now with this. Without well, thinking about it, without th- without thinking, what was he doing around this time? Right, and I and I may be, I may crazily be the opposite. I think um, I didn't look, I didn't appreciate Thriller as a kid because it was just everywhere. It's like the movie mm-hmm. Titanic when we were coming up. I didn't want to see it because it was everywhere. I think I appreciate the album more now, but I I personally think in this age that we live in, where you know everything about everybody, I'm mm-hmm. starting to get to the point where I can separate the work from and judge the work from the person so uh, for me i i think i can get there with this one and and as we talk about it try to talk about just the album well like what's the other option like you just don't acknowledge michael jackson or like thriller you know like i don't really think that that's ever a great way of approaching anything either because then like you never have those opportunities for the conversations about like you know, child molestation, like shit like that happens. So it's like, mm-hmm. you need to be aware of it and not be weirded out by talking about it. And I think just like covering things up and like not acknowledging like. Yeah. And I think it's a, it's a relevant issue right now too, because I think there is, and I'm going to sound like the resident conservative, but there is a, 
portion of the population now that does want to cancel and erase people because of their actions. I know I'm not going to try to defend this guy either, but I'm, I was a, and I am a big Ryan Adams fan for his music. And the guy has literally been taken off the face of the planet. He's kind of dumb. Like, I mean, I'm not saying like, I'm sure he's an asshole, but like, you know how many fucking assholes there are. Exactly. Right. If we canceled everybody that was a jerk at some point, like you'd probably be canceling. Well, everybody. Right. Yeah. And it, it does. There, there is, it is scary that it can go that far, but, but let's go ahead and try to just talk about thriller. I think we, I think we've, I think we've hit that enough that we can actually just talk about the album. Yes. Yeah. We, we, we hit it. Um, guys, um, Henry, I think you, or maybe Megan suggested doing this, that maybe we, um, on this album, we take the songs one at a time and give them a one to 10 rating kind of quickly and maybe give some facts about each individual song so that they don't get lost in the, Oh, cause there's so much to talk about this as a cultural and uh, phenomenon of the eighties that maybe we, we could dive into the songs just a little bit. Sounds good. So first song, want to be starting something written by Michael Jackson. This one is um, it's all built around that one kind of loop, and I'm sure yeah. Henry's got it. Uh, the the mama say, mama saw thing, and uh, I won't make you do it, and I'm not gonna do it. Yeah, so. yeah. So the guy, <laughs> mama say, mama saw, mama yeah. saw. Yes, right. So it's taken by this guy named Manu Debanga. Basically, lifted it straight from that guy. Compensated or credited? Much later. He's probably still living off of that right now. They wrote him a check. Oh. Quincy Jones said Michael Jackson didn't care. He was like Machiavellian. He would just steal shit straight up. Wow. No, with no problem. I, I see that. I, I think a, I think a lot of artists are that way. I think they just look at it as inspiration. I'm going to give this one a you solid seven, but I agree with Megan that it went on. It goes on. It goes on and on. Long. Yeah, but I, I like I like the general song. It's got it's got a good uh, mood and a uh, groove to it. So I'm gonna give it a seven. 
I gave it a solid eight and a half. Oh, nice. Yeah, because uh, the the end part where it's like all those weird times where he has vegetable. Why is it vegetable? That's the word. I, I know, but you know, vegetable. The lyrics, like, what's the context? Because I was like, I was thinking, I'm like, it can't be vegetable. I'm just hearing it. No, it's it's, it's definitely a vegetable. It means you don't do anything. You're a vegetable. You're just sitting there. <laughs> You're a vegetable. Yeah. yeah. You're a vegetable. And it's really high end, too. All right, moving right along. The next song is called Baby Be Mine, written by a guy named Chris's favorite dude, Ron Temperton. this Temperton guy I'm gonna get I'm gonna go right in on this guy I don't like him I don't know what he's doing on this album he wrote rock with you I think okay so here's my theory if if the video for thriller had never happened the song thriller would not be the hit that it was which is a Temperton song if I'm not mistaken but I think the three Temperton songs on this album all suck all right don't skip ahead to thriller Sorry, sorry. I just don't Yeah, I don't like so, Temperton. I don't like Baby Be Mine that much. Although it's the Quincy best of the three. Quincy liked this song and said he ripped off John Coltrane when he did it. I think Quincy liked Temperton better than Jack- Michael Jackson. I think so too, because they kept going to them. Like he, he, some of his stuff was kind of schmaltzy, like this one. Yeah, and then apparently he had three or four more that got turned down. I, I, I'm not a big Temperton guy. He sounds like a show I, tunes guy too, right? I, yeah, uh, yes, yes, but I mean, thrillers. All right, I'm not going to talk about thriller. Four, I gave it a four, and I'm being charitable. I'm going to give that yeah, one a four. Like four. The girl is mine. This is this is my worst. This is my least favorite Michael Jackson tune because Paul McCartney sucks. This is a two. Every night she walks right in my dreams since I met her from the start. I'm so proud I am the only one who is special in her heart. Bye. 
this was written by Michael Jackson. I gave it a six. I hate the song. It, it's been in my head for about two weeks now, two and a half weeks. Like, I can't stop singing it. I, this is the purge moment. Like, you guys <laughs> have to help like me. It's very catchy, oddly. It, it's this one and Say, Say, Say have been pinging around in my head, and I think it's because of their vocals. Yeah. They have their vo- their voices don't sound anything alike. Any song that has doggone in it, I don't know. The doggone. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, like that's just so cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm totally with I, Megan. So, that doggone part is gross. And here's so the deal: <laughs> like this was the first single off the album. But, well, because of Paul McCartney. It's the one of the weakest songs on the record. Because Paul McCartney is weak. <laughs> can you guys can you guys see this picture? Okay, this is on the inner sleeve of the album. It's a drawing by Michael Jackson of him and uh, Paul McCartney. With fighting over a girl. This is why I hate this song. Because of that drawing? Okay, show me show me the pencil drawing now. That's weird. Okay, yeah, that's creepy. Isn't that creepy? Like, yeah. Yep. Yep. Look at her. <laughs> look at her in the middle. All right, YouTube people are gonna have to see that. That is a little any song where Michael Jackson's singing about women, it's just like it doesn't feel genuine. Mm-mm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, I get it. Does it feel like I, I don't know? Like, here's a fun fact: this song was recorded after <laughs> "Say Say Say." Was it really? Yeah. So say, say, say was before, but these saw they seem inextricably linked to each other in my mind. All right, let's do Thriller. I'm going to give this one a five. I'm, I don't like the Temperton songs either. I don't think this would be a hit without the video. I just feel like this song is like almost a novelty at mm-hmm. this point. Like it's just so, it's so overdone. Like, I mean, I've just heard the song so many times. It's at every wedding at like still to this day and I mean the video is good but like you said I think that that was kind of why it was a hit too because it just at the perfect time yeah and the video yeah you're right the video is like a movie which we'll get to but I mean yeah it it took on a life of its own but the but the song is kind of almost to me it is almost like a soundtrack or a show tune song more than um Mm -hmm. an album track it was obvious to me that he didn't write it from the jump right they don't almost it almost doesn't even go if you think about it I, I agree. I, I think it. I would have thought Quincy would have taken that one off, but of course it's the title track. So what do I know? Concept of it is really cool, though. Like I like that it's not just like another schmaltzy kind of love song. Like mm-hmm. it is. It's an interesting idea for a Michael Jackson song when there really usually aren't right. Like there's not that much variety in his music. 
Temper Temperton was going to call it Starlight. So I guess it would have gone. So it is Starlight, Starlight Man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, that must what it would have been. Oh, now I hate it even more. Okay, tape rolling. Anytime you want. Darkness falls across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures crawl in search of blood to terrorize y'all's neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found without the soul for getting down must stand and face the hounds of hell and rot inside a corpse's shell. choice of either getting paid 20 grand or points on the album well, he probably took 20 grand didn't he yeah he probably took uh, the yeah. money yeah mm. mm. uh. he, chose, he chose incorrectly all right let's let's move on to side two now this is where the album gets good to me you get four bangers in a row in my opinion beat it is the best song on the album i'm giving it a 10 It's considered one of the most popular songs in the history of modern music. 
And it's so cool to me because it parallels almost exactly the David Bowie uh, Let's Dance album where he brought in Stevie Ray Vaughan to play the solo and Michael Jackson brings in uh, Eddie Van Halen to play the solo and it works perfectly. And Beat It is the most rock and roll, I hate to use that term rock and roll, but it's the most rock and roll song on the on the album, I think. Quincy Jones wanted something like Mascherona was popular at the time, was on the charts, and he wanted a black rock and roll song on it. And so Michael Jackson just wrote the thing. On the Thriller 25, you, there's a demo version of him doing Beat It, and it's almost note for note, as the demo version was. I feel like bringing Eddie Van Halen in, like that's another artist that doesn't have or didn't have a problem <clears throat> like being commercial. No, I agree. But I, I would have to say, going back and listening to this, that little solo of Eddie Van Halen is a is a perfect microcosm of Eddie Van Halen, almost more than Van Halen material. It's got every part of the Eddie Van Halen classic solo in there, and it's not that long either. But it's got the finger tapping, and it's got the long trills, all the stuff. You know that little knock that's on it during the solo? That is, there's been so many rumors about what that is, right? It, it was reported that it was a knock on somebody walking in while he was recording it. And another said that it was the sound of him knocking on his own guitar. But the truth of it is that it was Michael Jackson knocking on his guitar case. I mean, on a drum case. You know, it's in the liner notes that he was doing that. How did he know that that was the right thing to do? Uh, he's Michael fucking Jackson, I guess.
I love Billie Jean. Like, it's the perfect antithesis to beat it because it is more of just like a dance funk kind of thing. Such um, a good groove. Again. It is. It's a great That's groove. Thing with Michael Jackson songs, like right. I will say, like he knows how to. He has that hook. Right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give that one a solid eight. Yeah, I gave it. Uh, let's see. I gave it a nine. The uh, see the part where he goes, "Don't think twice." That's uh, he was singing through a five foot long uh, cardboard tube. Oh, wow. I always wondered. And so uh, it, that was really weird. Uh, Another thing about it was that they built a special drum riser to get the drum sound for this thing. It was purpose built by the the engineer uh, 10 inches off the ground. He wanted it to be off the floor to keep the low frequency drum sounds from picking up off of the floor. So that was the weirdest thing, like uh, that they would – you know, rather than do what we would do today, which is play with the knobs and tweak everything, they had to do with they had to make they had to sing in showers and like tubes and stuff to get the sound that they wanted. I thought that was cool. You know, that's all, that's kind of DIY. You know, one thing, one more thing I'll mention is this is the song that he was singing on Motown 25 when he did the moonwalk. Yep. which right. changed the world. I went back and listened to that or watched that and it was very short. I mean, it was like three seconds mm-hmm. and it was like normal, normal, normal. The guy, uh, insane dancer did that. And you heard the whole crowd break out into applause. Oh, yeah. Like a, it was like a moment, like this punctuated well, moment. At, like, oh my God. I mean, he was just at his Zenith really. Like, I mean, he was just reaching a whole new level of his career. Is Michael Jackson, you know, really, you know, does he float? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was easier to craft and like maintain an image. I feel. Right. I think you're right. And today, that is just doesn't happen. It's lost. It's all. It's all been lost for that. Yeah, and I, and I guess uh, this is as good a place as any to talk about the moonwalk. But Henry, that little that three second moment, I, I can remember. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, kids in my neighborhood had that on had VHS that. And people trying to practice it. Oh, you know, and I'm talking about white kids in the suburbs, right? And I think what Michael Jackson did was he brought uh, James Brown to the white suburbs because we we never saw James Brown, and it was like he was the safe version that took over the world because you know white kids in the suburbs could see him on the TV do that. But it, it literally like that moment blew our minds because it looked like he was floating, like you said. It was like, oh my god, like. This is, you know, and there's a lot of that, I think, to Michael Jackson, which is weird because he turns out to be the creepier of the two of anybody. But he was the safe black artist that could come to the masses. And I think that was a lot of the appeal for people. The next song, Human Nature.
This one is a Toto song with Michael Jackson fronting Toto. So what do we think about Mike? Basically. Michael <laughs> fronting I Toto. I love it. I think he should have joined Toto. It would have been great. I gave it an eight as well. I think it's a great song. It was written by Jeff Pork. Pork is it Porcaro? I hate, I can't ever say his last That's name. I say it. Yeah, the the keyboardist and the singer from Toto, and um, they appear all over this album. But they actually wrote this song, and uh, Michael Jackson sings it. What did you think, Megan? Yeah, I like it because it's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Just a little, you know. Like I think that. I mean, the second side is way better. Than I agree. The first side. Yeah, it fits a lot better than the Temperton songs. I think. PYT is a James Ingram song. Uh, what do we get? What do we think of that guy? When I listened to it, I didn't realize that it was probably the first time that I did, heard the word tenderoni. I like that you just identified the first time you heard the word tenderoni. Yeah. It wasn't. Like, Bobby Brown was the, I thought was the guy that did tenderoni, but Michael Apparently Jackson awesome. said, he read that off from somebody else. But <laughs> that's the first time I heard it. I like that that was your first takeaway. Yeah, I do too. I love that. this one a solid seven i think it fits with the others much better again than the temperton songs the last song on the record that to me the lady in my life is the worst song on the album i don't know why it's on the album i no, it's bad you should just forget it don't even you're already like, give it should up. have just been cut off it's slow jam quiet storm i feel like quincy really fought for this Michael one jackson sing a song like that nobody it just does not fit with his voice even like it's just not a good fit so with all that said and all these songs this this album as far as i know by the end of 1983 sold 32 million copies That's which insane. is pretty good but, but how much it guess how much it is sold up until now uh, you, there's all kinds of stats by the way and they disagree all over the place well so just in general saying, give us some give us some stat it sold approximately 120 million copies Every time somebody dies i feel like there's always a jump to that's yeah, a that's a big ass so, jump though 130 yeah. million well it's it's no i mean there's there's been no nothing like it since i did hear that post malone broke recently broke a record that was previously held by michael jackson for like 70 something weeks on the top of the r&b chart but that's but it's been that long to break it Spending, I'm spending on my fucking pay. 
some braids and I got me some hoes. Started rocking the sleeve, I can't buy with no jaws. You know how I do it, can close on my toe. Oh, I ain't rich yet, but you know I ain't broke. I. So if I see it, I like about that from the start. I. I'm with some white girls and I love them to coca. Like they OT. Double OT, like I'm KD, smoking OG. And you know me, and my two threes, and my gold. Michael Jackson sold 350 million albums conservatively in his lifetime. I mean, it. This is the guy who you got. You could get no higher. He's like like Icarus. He flew too close to the sun and burned his ass. Burned him. Burned his ass. Up. I mean, that's and Thriller was the thing that did it. Thr- oh, Thriller, sure. I think, was the th- the match that lit the fuse on his complete. I don't know. What do you call it? Narcissistic self regard. Just well, he could do whatever he wanted to do, and I think for right. somebody like him, that was almost like not a good thing. It's just mind-boggling to think that we celebrate a million albums sold as platinum. Not gold, not silver, but that's like that's the like that's the Hall of Fame level and this album sold 132 of those. So yeah. you're you're it's just it is it's like mind-boggling what the album itself did on its own. If you take again, if you take Michael out of the equation, it's just this album is wow. Henry, you were talking about there. I think I think this that's a good spot to to move in to the videos because I think the videos and getting on MTV were the key to this album doing more than what Off the Wall did. Because Off the Wall was a big hit, but I don't think it was... I don't know that Thriller would have been much bigger than Off the Wall without the videos. The story, of course, is that the record company had to threaten to pull all everything that they had and not let MTV have any of it if they didn't play Billie Jean. And so they relented, even though MTV said that that wasn't the case. Once Billie Jean hit... It was on at that point. And so the guy that directed it, his name was a fellow named Steve Barron. And the idea was that the treatment was like, okay, Michael Jackson, you're a magical character like who has the Midas touch and that everything lights up around you. The budget for the video was like $50,000. He hadn't done Thriller yet. New music video idea sinking $50,000 in it. They don't know really what it's going to do, but they didn't have the money for them to light up all the floor tiles. Oh my gosh. So they had to tell him which ones would light up and he would just dance to them. That's which made which, really cool. Yeah, it made it cooler because it was like, yeah. Also, um, I think this is the song where Michael Jackson admitted to Daryl Hall when they were recording We Are the World that he ripped off the bass line for Billie Jean for I Can't Go, I Can Go For That. Mm, I could kind of see that.
Quincy Jones said he was Machiavellian, man. The guy didn't like, <laughs> he'll riff off anybody. <laughs> and, and he also, I mean, uh, he invented Dance Dance Revolution as a result. Um, the second video, Beat It, is just a tribute or uh, is, a, is a straight rip of West Side Story. But it was it was one of the first videos of the time to have that kind of cinematic feel to it. And it took off as well because of that. I don't know if you guys watched the video recently, but the dancing in that video is like almost... There was a... Vi- How are you going to say it? There, there, there was a, a violence in the way that he would dance. You know, it's like a coiled spring or something. And that video in particular was just like mind-blowing, like all the make moves that make him look like a bird. Yeah, you... Know, you you can see where my 12-year-old brain was, but I can remember me and a friend sitting around after school watching MTV, and I think he had a VHS tape of Bruce Lee's Enter the Dragon, and he was making the comparisons back and forth that, that the way Michael Jackson danced in that video was very similar to the karate moves that Bruce Lee was making because there was like a violence and a quick like snappiness yeah. to it that was Snappy. almost like right. a choreographed uh, fight scene. I can see that, definitely. It was very... Um, Watching it after having not seen it for 25, 30 years is kind of emotional. Like, there was something there. Like, that was some magic. But did you guys ever pick up on, and I feel like Michael Jackson, this happened later, and this is not a critique of Thriller, but in his later years, I felt like a lot of times he just was trying to recreate the same things. Like, I don't know what the song was, but there was a video from Bad I guess it's the song "Bad," where they're all in a warehouse, and it's like, "Who's bad?" And it's like, "It's like who's the tough one?" It's right. like this crappy beat it ripoff. Somebody who's not really a tough guy at all. I also he's like how he's cool. got the really high voice, and he's not a tough guy, but he goes up to people and tells them he stole their stuff for his song. I guess he is kind of a tough guy. <laughs> I guess he is. Yeah, you're right. He does the first thing, and it works out. And then years later, he has to do something similar that's like it. Like, okay, we're not going to do the one glove anymore. Let's, we're going to do the tape on the fingers. Yeah, I'm going to wear a cast on my arm. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to make a cast on it. Well, and then the third video from this album is yeah, The Biggie, and this is Thriller, which was actually like, Henry, was the original release, um, wasn't it like 16 minutes long? Yes, yeah, it was like, and it was paired with the documentary, too. You I remember know? that, okay. It came with, it's the first, it's 15 minutes long, and it's the first time where you could buy the video on its own. By 1983, everybody had a VHS machine, and they sold like so many copies of Thriller and the the making of documentary with it. If I remember right, too, it was a big deal that it premiered on MTV. It was like a whole thing. It was almost like a movie premiere when it came Mm -hmm. when it came on the first time. It's just crazy that people would buy a VHS of like ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Right, right, like a VHS single. It's the, it's the best-selling music video uh, at the time, certified by Guinness World Records. Sold nine million of them. Well, I do want to. I do want to contrast it with the song on the album because I don't like it on the album, and I don't think it works on the album. But the video, that song worked great. Like if they had just released this as a separate video event, the, I, then I liked it a lot better. Mm-hmm. It, the, the thriller video was foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was well, he, in the in the video. He's like werewolf to man to zombie, and back to man again. This is the way he was going to be. He was going to yeah. go. Do, it's weird. 
It's like he's prefiguring this real-life metamorphosis that he was about to do in the video. But it's also prefiguring, and I guess because of the amount of money, but it's also prefiguring how videos were going to go after that. Like it changed the whole game for the next four or five years of how people made videos as opposed to – Seriously, I think. Right. Like kind of like an artistic expression. And it became a launching pad for directors as opposed to just making these goofy little – low budget things like I guess like Billy Jean was was more of less a low budget one off. But he he never had but like like I said before, he has never he never had a problem being commercial. I think he knew that this was gonna sell a lot of copies if he did it. He had the the winds were at his back. Um and for, forgot to mention this before, but the guy changed the words to Billy Jean for Pepsi. Like and sang it. You know, with oh, yeah. feeling. I don't think he probably really cared. I don't either. Not, and I think to build. I, I think yeah. we have to talk about where he came from too, because I think his dad put the Jackson Five together to be a commercial entity, to be a thing more yeah. than you know. They were going to be on lunchboxes, Henry. I don't know if you remember the the Jackson Five lunchboxes and cards. They had like trading cards, and they had a variety show. So they were much more than just a singing group. It was almost like he was born to be. Uh, that he didn't care that it was marketed and stuff because that's what it was, I guess, to him was supposed to be. can't talk henry you brought up the pepsi commercial we can't bring that up without the hair catching on fire incident which like rocked the world yeah bad wasn't it actually it was kind of mysterious at the time word true oh there's been an accident oh michael jackson caught on fire oh we've got video or something like that and i know we've we've hit some of this already the cultural impact but i wanted to mention a couple things um i did want to get across the to me, the the impact that he had on suburban white America through MTV and I guess then the records, I don't, I can't even, I don't even know how to express it because I don't think breakdancing or any of that would have been acceptable. Or it, he was like the doorway for us into investigating uh, more black and urban uh, scenes. And I think he helped uh, in the late 80s. So I just remember thinking I'd, I, in junior high, I, at some point I was wearing fat laces, trying to pop and lock in ninth grade in the most um, hick part of Tennessee you could come up with. And that never would have happened if Michael Jackson's thriller had not come out. I would never have thought that, that was acceptable, but he was just, he was just everywhere at the time. Okay, guys, so our, for our big finish, I don't even know how do we – do we want to rate this one each at the end? Um, do I mean, what wanna... do you do? It's not going to benefit the world. I mean, you've everybody who's listened to this has listened to Thriller. 
Did we get to all of your copious notes, Henry? I think, you know, we did get to a lot of things. Let's see if there's something else I might want to tell you. There is a clip online with the hidden lyrics to PYT that sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks in the back. Pretty Young Things was the label of the underwear that Quincy Jones's wife, Peggy Lipton, had. So he was enthralled with her underwear and wanted some like James Ingram to write a song about it. So he did. Damn, you did some deep ass research, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go back to our regular review of five albums for the month, and the month will be November of 1982. We're almost through 1982, and that month we're going to cover probably, I guess, obviously is the only Led Zeppelin album we'll cover, uh, Coda by Led Zeppelin. Uh, We're going to cover a John Cale record. Yeah, we're also going to do uh, Lionel Richie. Also, an album by a band called Orange Juice. Did you ever hear that one back in the day, Henry? Yes, I'm not looking forward to this. What about you, Megan? I I I have not heard this. Orange Juice. Didn't they have the song, was it Rip It Up and Start Again? It had to be. because Yeah, because the album title's Rip It Up, so you nailed it. Yeah, okay. that's it. That's a good song. I can't wait. And then the final album we're going to cover that month is by Tom Petty. Awesome. So if you like our show or if you like the records we're choosing, please rate and review us on uh, Apple Podcast and on Spit, Spitcher? Spotify. <laughs> I love Spitcher. <laughs> we just lumped them all together. <laughs> Are you a deplorable? Join Spitcher. <laughs> it's only on Android, but it's great. <laughs> it's only on Android. You can listen to us on Spotify and Stitcher and, uh, and YouTube when we get it up. Share it with your friends. You can chat us up on Twitter at 80s Exposed or email us like several of us already have mm-hmm. at 80smusicexposed at gmail.com. Chris's Twitter handle is at TCI Duke. My Henry's Twitter handle is at Hank G at Twitter. Where are you on Instagram, Megan? Wow, we're not going to read mine. <laughs> I have to say mine out loud. Fine. Um, it's <laughs> at Bastards of Young 92. Awesome. Everybody hit her up, and we've had a great time today. Uh, business as usual. Next time, Chris, Megan, guess what? What's that? What? I made you a mixtape.